You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Yeah, um, nine years ago, I met this guy, Jeff Countryman, who's going to speak to you. I tell you, we're excited to have Jeff now on our team. He's one of our campus pastors in Clearwater. He's a gifted leader, gifted pastor, gifted teacher. Get ready. Uh, He's going to rock your world with the beginning of the series uh, that we're starting. And so uh, would you please, after this video, welcome uh, Pastor Jeff Countryman. Welcome all seven campuses. God bless you. Depression and fear and anxiety, broken marriages, kids that sometimes don't listen to you when you want them to listen to you. Sometimes we are so close to our situations, our issues, we really don't know what the problem is. And so today we're going to hit space, we're going to provide a little bit of margin, and the point in this is because we are so close to those situations, when we take a step back, when we get a little bit of space, when we create margin, we are able to see things more clearly. And when we're really waiting with God, we have an expectant spirit. And when with God, something amazing takes place. We don't only get more perspective. We get stronger. We get filled with hope. Our spirits are renewed. We have a fresh mind. We have a fresh vision. We have a fresh life. We even have fresh words to tell our children how to behave. Do we have any parents in here? All right, so you know, all the parents, this is definitely for you because you need a little bit of space in your life. I know this. I'm a grandparent. We'll talk about that in a moment. Thank God that we raised our kids and they are now all, okay. In this series, we will be exploring the biblical answers to weariness, fatigue, and the busyness of life. We can find proper perspective if we simply hit space. If you take a sentence and you put it all together, there's no space, you really don't have context. But the moment you get space in those words, you start to understand things. And that's what the hope is for today, that when we step aside and we wait on the Lord, it's like that bumper video. You see this computer and all this stuff on the desk. And so you've got all this stuff going on and then you've got every application in the world opened on your computer and at some point it's gonna overheat and you're gonna crash. You have too much stuff. And so we're gonna try to take a breath, hit space, and enjoy our time today. Touch your neighbor and say, hey, it's gonna be good today. It's gonna be good today. Whether you believe it or not, we're speaking it 
In faith, it's going to be good today. Well, we've already welcomed the campuses Clearwater. We have South Tampa. We have Carrollwood. We have Ebor. We have Temple Terrace. We have Lando Lakes, and we have Lutz. We want to welcome everybody online also. If, if you're watching online, you're joining us online, hey, welcome. I think you can do something special today. Get on your phone and text two people and invite them to watch with you. Kind of have a little watch party. That will, that will be a lot of fun. When we create perspective, it's kind of like washing the window. We, can, we see light through the window, but when it's dirty, we don't know what that light is about. And so we're going to wash the windows. We're going to kind of see what that light is about. And I want to just introduce some people to you so you get to know me a little bit. Because all of my uh, teaching and perspectives is based on the Word of God and really the time I spent with my family and where we're at in life. And so here's a, here's a picture. In the middle, you'll see uh, myself, Jeff, and my wife, Tyann. We've been married 29 years and in ministry 29 years. Come on, there's something to be said about that. The guy with the curly hair up there, uh, his, he's our oldest son. His name is Cody. He's married to Maddie. He's, they've given us two beautiful grandchildren, Israel and Indy. He actually leads all the student ministries at Radiant Church here in Tampa, and so he's highly connected there. On the other side, the blonde hair, that's our middle guy, Eli. He's in L.A. He's in the left coast, the West Coast. And uh, he is uh, with, he graduated UCLA. He's a high-end barista. He wants to get into journalism, and he's just killing it out there. And then the guy in the tan shirt, that is our youngest child, Sage. He's actually here today with his brand-new wife, Rachel. They got married this weekend. He's not like, I like attention, he doesn't, and so I'm just gonna leave it there. So good, so good. Our life is in a good spot because we learn to wait. Now there's a biblical principle all throughout the Bible about waiting. Abraham had to wait. Joshua had to wait. David had, was anointed to be king and he still had to wait for the appointed time. Jesus, all through his ministry, he would get away and he would wait. Jesus did a lot of things that he didn't have to do, but he did it as examples for us. That's why Jesus came to this earth to die for us, but he was also being an example of how we can live our life. And so Jesus, you know, right last week, we had a wonderful message by Pastor Craig about Jesus Christ and all the things. You know, when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, right before the crucifixion, he got away from his disciples, his friends, and he petitioned God, hey, let this cup pass over. He was literally waiting anticipating what's going to take place, but he had to get away, he had to create some space. And today we're gonna to talk about how Jesus created space at the beginning of his ministry, and that was when he was in the wilderness. And that's found in Matthew chapter four, so you can open up your Bibles, open up the apps online, whatever you wanna do, Matthew chapter four, we're going to really dive into that, uh, parse that out and see what God can talk to us. He's waiting in the wilderness because he was about to be called into ministry. Like he's always been called, but when we say called into ministry, it is the starting point of your ministry life. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came down, and now everybody's starting to talk and go, who is this guy? Maybe he's the Messiah. Do you know Israel waited for centuries for their Messiah? Centuries. Imagine waiting for centuries, and now this might be the guy that we've been waiting for. They were, they were pretty excited. Some of us, we know a little bit about waiting. I, I know I am not very good at waiting. I guarantee you our pastor is horrible at waiting. 
Just, just listen to him talk about how he drives. And with all the traffic around here, I don't, I don't know how he stays saved. But we have to learn to wait. Some of you guys, if you're, if you're a golfer, you know what it's like when you've lost your car keys, you've got five minutes to get out the door and get to your tea time, you cannot find them, and somehow your wife holds up the key. I don't know how they have this superpower, but they hold up the keys. Here it is. You're not angry at her. You are excited that the keys are there. It's not just a little thing. Some of you don't, you don't uh, understand golf. Well, maybe you want to go to the Taylor Swift concert. And that's why we got so much traffic. And you're looking for your keys, you can't find it. You paid too much money for this concert and you're gonna miss it. And then if you find your keys, how do you feel? You're excited. So we're gonna go into this with an expectant sphere because in the Greek, when the Bible uses the word wait, it means to actively await, expectance, push on, hang on. It's all about trusting. When you're waiting with God, you're trusting, you're expecting him to show up. When you tell your kids, hey, we're gonna go to Bush Gardens, they get excited even if it's six months down the road, even though they have to wait because they trust you're gonna fulfill your promise. We need to learn to trust the promises of God and stop giving up. And we're gonna talk about how not to give up today. But before we do that, we're going to just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to make everything clear to us. Heavenly Father, we just ask your spirit to be with us. You're already here, but God, I pray that you give us an, a spirit of anticipation, expectation. You speak to us on our level what we're going through. Make things abundantly clear. All Jeff's words gone, all your words there, and it will be good. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Well, we're going to expose three tactics of the enemy. So Jesus went away to the wilderness, and he was modeling how to wait. And we're going to expose three tactics of the enemy that he uses when we're waiting. Because you know the enemy doesn't want you to spend time with God and wait with God, right? He's going to do everything in his power to distract, deceive, and discourage you while you are doing that. And there's a quote by Sun Tzu. It says, know yourself, know your enemy. A hundred battles, a hundred victories. What this is saying, now he, he ain't Christian, but he ain't wrong, okay? He's saying if you know what your enemy's gonna do and you know your own weaknesses, you can fortify those weaknesses, you can prep for the enemy, and you are more than likely going to win. And so we know the enemy has absolutely no power over your life, right? Hey, if you, in this message, if you feel like saying amen, if you feel like saying yep, if you feel like saying uh-huh, that is totally fine with me, I preach faster, and it's less time. Thank you. I teed that up, you hit it, hit it perfectly. We need to know the tactics of the enemy. We need to know, some of us deal with pride, some of us deal with ego, some of us deal with anxiety, fear, depression, doubt. We all have different things we're susceptible to and we kinda need to know that. And we need to know how the enemy is going to attack us. So as you open your apps up, the first thing that we need to do now, Jesus, remember, he's in the wilderness. He is going away, and it says that the devil is going to tempt him and torment him. He's going away to get himself prepped for ministry and the calling that he has on his life. And so we find him here in verse 3, and Satan is talking to him. Uh, Jesus has been fasting, and if you've ever been on a long fast, you, you know what food does to you, but Jesus has been fasting, and this is what the devil says. If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scripture says, 
People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus looked at Satan and said, nope, I ain't listening to you. Do you know distraction is a very powerful technique? Some of you believe that you can't be distracted by anything, that you can walk along in life and things are going to go well as Pastor Daryl comes out because he's supposed to be giving me a distraction while I talk about this. And when this little hula hoop comes out and I'm talking about Jesus and I don't even want to see what he's doing. That was Ralph. Now listen, I know the difference. It was supposed to be Daryl. So just so you know, that's Pastor Ralph. That really distracted me. It worked perfectly. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Distraction's powerful. You're going to work and you're putting on music and you're trying to pray. It isn't a coincidence that thoughts start popping in your mind. It isn't a coincidence that you see a squirrel or you see an accident or you're frustrated with the person driving too slow in front of you or that person that does not know how to merge because they speed up when you... Sp anyway, <laughs> I might have some issues also. We need to understand distraction is, is part of it, and we've got to push through that. What did Jesus do when the enemy tried to distract him? He was hungry for sure. He said, the scriptures say, say scriptures. Scriptures. scriptures, the word of God. When the enemy attacks you, you need to be able to go to the word of God. God uses three things here to talk to us. He uses prayer and worship scripture and people to talk to us. Prayer and worship involves our emotions and sometimes it can get a little cloudy and get a little fuzzy. The word of God is the least likely to be tainted, to be misrepresented. Yes, it can be misrepresented, but when you go to the word of God, that's the purest form of God's word and love to us. And that's why we go to the scripture. But understand food, money, success, prestige, all these things distract us. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, something happens when we get distracted. We lose our ability to produce fruit. But all too quickly, the message, which is Jesus, is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. If you're having a hard time with love, joy, kindness, meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, Jeff, if you're having issues with that, maybe you're distracted. The Bible says when you are distracted by all these things, the lure of money, wealth, prestige, power, you get distracted that you actually stop producing the fruit you need to produce. And I love our church for several reasons, but one of the things I love about our church is we don't want you just to receive Jesus and attend on the weekend. We would love for you to get plugged in, start serving, and find out what your gifts are about. Your gifts help you produce fruit. That's why on every campus today, we have Discovering Grace, which helps us understand what grace is all about. Uh, it helps us understand what our gifts are. And I'm encouraging you, if you have not signed up, sign up for next month. Get plugged in, understand your, understand your gifts so you can produce more fruit. Then we have Following Jesus, which is Discovering Jesus. For those of you that just got saved and you wanna know a little more about this man who is fully God and fully man named Jesus, go to Discovering Jesus. It will rock your world. Sign up, you can do that on the app. It's important to continue to grow because when you re resist the enemy, you flee and God begins to produce more fruit. And as you are serving, it just magnifies. Second thing that the enemy does, he uses discouragement. It prevents destiny. Discouragement will prevent destiny 
unless we hit space. Now, Satan has taken Jesus up to the top of the temple and he says this, if you are the son of God, again, he starts it with, if you are, he knows he's the son of God. If you are the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say, again, what did he do? The scriptures say, Jesus models for us, he will order angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord's God. So the enemy tried to use scripture against Jesus. Did you see that? He tried to twist it. it you can take a, a scripture and have a little bit of deception in there and it changed the whole context. And he said, no, listen, this is, you're not, you're not allowed to test the Lord your God. You know I'm the Lord, you're not allowed to test me. Now, some people think that the devil was dealing with pride. I don't believe he was dealing with pride. As I was studying this, I started thinking about it. It is a prelude, it is foreshadowing for the cross. Jesus and the enemy, the devil knows that, that he is going to die on the cross for us. And he is basically saying this, why don't you save yourself? God doesn't even love you. If God really loved you, why would you have to give your life for this world? So he's taunting him and trying to explain to him that you need to question God's authority in your life. When we are discouraged, we begin to question God. That is dangerous. We begin to question his word. But you have to understand that you have all the power in you. When I told you earlier that Satan has no power over you, that is true. But you have all of the power and access to you. So if you are a lamp, you're a ginormous, say you're a ginormous light bulb, and you could uh, illuminate this entire room if all the lights were off and you're spectacular, and you're gifted, and you have all these things, if you are not plugged into the source, you're not shining. You're a light bulb, but you're not shining. When we get discouraged, we question God, we unplug from the source, we haven't created enough space to really connect with God, to get plugged in and get recharged, get refreshed, get restored. You, if you only charge your cell phone to 15% every day, you're gonna run out at two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm asking, why are you running out of energy at two o'clock in the afternoon? Maybe because you haven't refreshed, you haven't hit space, you haven't created margin to wait on the Lord. When I say you have all the authority given to you, I am being accurate, correct, and biblically sound. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Did he say some of the power? I've given you authority of, over some of, no. I've given you authority over all of the enemy and you can walk among snakes, scorpions, and crush them and absolutely nothing will injure you. Wow. I think sometimes we don't have a good enough perception of who God is. We, we're talking to the enemy and we think it's like a bully on the playground and we're like, uh, well my dad said that you can't treat me that way. So there. And we wonder, well, that doesn't seem that powerful. Do you know when you quote scripture, when you pray that God shows up? You're not just speaking like, hey, I've got a God. He shows up in your situation. Now, my version of God, I, I mean, don't judge me on this. This is not um, from the word of God. It's just how I think of God. I think God looks somewhat like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And he's got long gray dreadlocks, right? And he's sitting there, and, and he's probably 15 to 20 foot tall, by the way. That's, that's my, and when I say 
Devil, get behind me, you have no power. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that love and are in Christ. When I say that to the enemy, I'm not saying what my dad said. God shows up and says, get out of here. How big is your God? We've got to understand how big God is. He's bigger than every problem, every circumstance, every situation we've ever faced or we ever will face. But we've got to stay connected to the source and the only way to stay connected to the source is to create a little space and get closer to God. Sometimes, you know, uh, when we're battling in and we have misperception, I remember when I was in school of ministry, we were a uh, long time ago, 1992, and we're out there in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was at a guy's house and we had like eight or 10 guys there and there's a giant mountain in the backyard, like literally a, a mountain. And we're sitting there, it's like 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and a couple of the guys are like, listen, we're gonna do spiritual warfare tonight. I'm like, oh, okay, we're gonna pray or something. No, nope, no, nope, we're gonna build a fire up on the side of that mountain, and we're gonna chase demons. You're gonna do, you're gonna, no, yeah, we're gonna kill every demon in Phoenix, Arizona, so there's no longer any problems. You just got saved last week. I don't remember the disciples. Hey guys, let's get together. Let's go hunt some demons. Now I do know whenever the demons and Satan and the enemy showed up, they quoted the word of God. They leaned on Jesus and his power and the enemy had to flee, but they didn't go hunting demons. So they went up the side of the mountain. They created this ginormous fire and it was going and I could see them. I think I was like, are they dancing around the fire like Indians or something? I don't. And so I wanted to see what was going on. So I, I dressed all in black. I mean, literally, I didn't plan this, but exactly like I am, just black head to toe. And I climbed up on the back side of the mountain and I was trying to get a view. I couldn't see straight. So I went up all the way to the top and there was a little uh, plateau, a little ledge. And I stood over, I could see them right below me. And there's a fire and they're like, demons, come out, come to us. I'm like, that, what are you doing? And so I, I'm a little mischievous. You probably can't tell by my personality. And so I, I grabbed a rock and I'm like, and I threw a boom. And went, oh, I just saw a demon. He was 15 feet tall. And so there, we are going to battle you right now, demon. Picked up another rock, I threw it. I hear, ow! No, I didn't hit somebody, but that would have been really funny. There's another one! And so I'm standing on this rock and I'm looking down, I'm thinking to myself, there's a full moon behind me. I wonder if they could see me. So I got to the edge of the ledge and I was gonna like shout out to them. And I don't know, but it was one of the greatest moments of my life. I said, I am not kidding, one of them dropped right there. <laughs> out, he passed out. The other one's like, it's a, it's a, ah! And he ran down the mountain and I could see him tumbling. Ow, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, The last one, he was brave. I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you win, you win. And he ran and he ran down the mountain. I went back down the back of the mountain, got, got to the bathroom, got changed, so I, I didn't look the way I looked. I came in and they were talking, I'm like, what's going on? Well, we just had some, my, you should have been with us, Jeff. We could have used you out there. It was, it was a bloodbath. What happened? Well, we killed like 10 demons and then Satan himself showed up. 
and we battled and it's just like the Bible says, there was horses with wings and they came down and they were, and angels were just slashing him into pieces. Wow, that's amazing. What did he sound like? You're like, whoa, it's, it's, a, it's a sound that no one has ever heard before and you can't explain it. And I said, it sounded a little like this. They beat the tar out of me after that. <laughs> beat me up. And the next day, our pastor came in and said, listen, guys, first off, you're not supposed to be out past curfew. You're not called to chase demons. You shouldn't pass out if a demon shows up. You shouldn't run away. And you surely shouldn't point at him and say, you win. What you need to do is quote scripture. You need to pray. You need to stand on the promises in the word of God, and he will flee from you. I think sometimes getting beat up, we beat ourselves up more than other people beat us up. Our mental dialogue, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else. And our mental dialogue can be messed up and until we call it out, we don't know how absurd it is. Those of you that are battling with some doubts, in your mind you're saying, in the battle between me and the world, you guys should just bet on the world, right? That's what, now when you look at it, you're like, that's absurd to say out loud, why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when that doubt comes, you quote scripture. A lot of us deal with insecurity. And the only consistent feature in all of our dissatisfying relationships is us. We think, and we're like, we are so messed up. But you know that although people look at the outside, God sees the inside of your heart. God said, cast all your cares on me and I will care for you. So when you're dealing with anxiety and security, you cast it to God, he'll take care of it. Social media, we all love social media. We bring people of the world together so we can watch them tear each other down. Mm. You know, the word says, kind words bring healing. Thoughtless words wound deep like a sword. There's power of life and death in the tongue, whether you're saying it or you're typing it. I've learned a, a method, it's called GAP when I'm posting. Is it genuine? Is it authentic? And is it positive? Authentic is one of our core values here at Grace Family Church. Is it really who I am or am I posturing myself for people to look at me a certain way? Is it positive? Is it going to bring life or is it going to bring death? Hal said last week, or a few weeks ago, that Jesus died for every sin that is ever committed, for every person, for all time. For those of you that gave your heart to Jesus last week, and for those of you that are struggling and you think to yourself, you have these mind games where the enemy is saying, are you even saved? Is God even real? Let me tell you right now, you are saved. God died for every sin you committed, every sin you are going to commit, and the fact that you even care shows that you have a relationship with God and the enemy is trying to discourage you. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody said, Pastor Jeff, I don't know if I'm saved. Did you ask Jesus into your heart? Do you believe he died for you and he rose again on the third day and he's your Lord and Savior? Yes. What's your doubt? I don't feel so good, okay? <laughs> You're dealing with your feelings, not with your salvation. You are secure in Christ the moment you give your heart to him. That's why, again, we're encouraging you, go to following Jesus. Learn more about how he operates it. The message version, Matthew chapter 8, 11 says this, are you tired, are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, get space, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. That is such a powerful line. The Holy Spirit, Luke chapter 12, when you are operating with the Holy Spirit, it seems more effortless. You're not, you're not struggling with all the little things. The Holy Spirit's leading and guiding and directing you. It says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely, there'll be no discouragement, less distraction, and the final point, point three, you're less susceptible to deception. Distraction, discouragement, deception. Sometimes we get deceived because we have not hit space. We have not taken time to get away with the Lord. Matthew chapter four, verse nine. Satan has taken Jesus up to this mountain. He's shown him the entire world, all the riches, all the kingdoms. And he says, I will give all of this to you today if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus says, get out of here, Satan, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The enemy was trying to convince Jesus that he did not have access to the promises of God. God had already promised Jesus, you rule everything. We are God. And the enemy was trying to discourage and distract and deceive him and say, hey, God's not right. And that's how the enemy started off with human beings at the garden. Hey, is God really right or is he messing with your mind? He tries to deceive us. The lies that has been told over and over. You're a loser. Your marriage can't be restored. Your kids are always gonna be far from God. Your anxiety and depression are there forever. All of these lies of deception he keeps beating you over the head with because he knows it's kind of like a pig farmer. When a pig farmer lives on a pig farm long enough, he stops smelling the poop. It is still there. It smells. The enemy has a whole lot of poop to sell, sell you and we're starting to not smell it because we're believing the lies. We've been desensitized to the things he's throwing at us. Pastor Craig said last week, God has the ability to use flawed and broken people for his glory. And I am so glad that I serve a pastor, I serve at a church like that because I am a flawed and I am a broken person. Some of you know my story, but I, eight years ago, I got to meet some of these guys at Grace Family Church and, and fell in love with them. And I remember sitting over there and just marveling at the spirit in the church. And I was a lead pastor and things were just going amazing. Our church, churches were growing by thousands. People were getting saved. Supernatural things were taking place. And I already, I'm a type A, a high D. And so I thought in my mind, I am different than anybody else. I can burn the candle on both ends and it isn't gonna affect me. God, you've created me with superpowers. I can just do everything. I started as the church is growing, I, I, I love, the people. I loved pastoring. I loved my family. And so I'm going to pastor every moment I can get. I'm going to spend time with my family every moment that I can get. I stopped golfing with my friends because I didn't have time. I felt like I got to build the church. I got to build the family. I got to build the church. I got to build the family. I used to get away for a couple days a month and go to a park, go to a hotel, go somewhere and just sit in the presence of God and bask in it. And I had stopped doing that. I had stopped creating space. And here I find myself, people are starting to call, hey, Pastor Jeff, can you come speak this conference? Can you come coach this church? Can you come? And I'm like, I don't have, okay, yes, yes, yes. And, and I remember God, like, what, when are you gonna spend time with me? 
I was spending time with him, asking him for direction for the church and what to preach and for other people. But I hadn't really gone on a date with him for a long time. Pride and ego just came into my life. I got a spirit of entitlement. See, when you don't create space, things get skewed and you become susceptible to sin. All of a sudden, this man of God that was trying to do everything right, I made some really bad decisions with finances to the point that I was fired from my job. I was out of ministry. For two years, I went through restoration, but eight months of that was on a lawnmower. What do you do on a lawnmower? I was, I was mowing lawns for eight hours a day. What do you do? You wait. You wait. I found myself, God said, hey, you didn't make time for me, so now I'm making time for us. See, well, that's gotta be the hardest thing in the world, Pastor Jeff, going from having everything to having nothing. Guess what? It was the best thing that's ever happened in my life other than my wife. Why? Clearwater, listen to me, because I get to see you more often. Why? It was the best thing because I reconnected with God. He forced me to do something that was healthy for me, even though at the time I didn't see it until a little later. I was every day with worship music, praying, asking God to fill me up, reconnect, laughing, learning the unforced rhythms of his heart and his grace and go, wow, God, how did I ever give this up? My relationship with you, it wasn't the church, it wasn't the, the speaking engagements. How did I give this up with you? See, remember I said the Holy Spirit and the Word, the Holy Spirit will use a Word and He will use prayer and worship and He'll use people. So I hit space, Now it's five years ago, hit space and I've kept hitting space, keeping clarity. But something else had to take place for my true restoration and healing. Other people had to hit space in their life to minister to me. My wife put so much on pause with her job and her career. And my kids put things on pause and just encouraged me. Pastor Craig didn't have to. Remember him calling, just lean in, Jeff. Just own it. It's going to be all right. Just, it's going to be all right. Now, his conversation's pretty quick, so that's about it. <laughs> but that's what I needed. Pastor Chris was a... So what is God telling you right now in this season of your life? Thank you. So what have you learned? He asked questions and I started learning the value of asking questions and how it pulls things out of you. Pastor Kristen, you, if you know Pastor Kristen, the devil's a liar. It's going to be all right. You're anointed. Go. Okay. Other people on staff, Mike Moore and Alan and Tony, they, they poured into my life. They hit space. I had pastors and, and friends from around the country and, and even in other countries that got on a flight, came down and made space for me. You can't do this alone. You can't succeed alone. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make space. But some of you are going to make space and you're going to, we're going to scroll some scriptures and it's just kind of a uh, to help you understand what to do. It's only a handful of them. On the app, there's 20 of them, handful, that you can go to and go, okay, that's gonna spur something. This is my question, and this is a scripture that I can use uh, to go against it. But you're gonna have to find your own scripture because you're all dealing with different things. But we're gonna take two minutes, and we are just going to sing, and you are gonna sit there, and you're going to try to make space and wait on the Lord and say, God, what are you telling me? 
Some of you though, God's gonna lay someone on your heart today. He's gonna say, I need you to hit space for that person. I need you to get on the phone. I need you to get in a car. I need you to email, text, whatever you need to do, call them. Hit space because they need to hear from you today. I want to speak through you. We are going to hit space. So when the enemy, even while I'm preaching, and I say, I don't even deserve to be up here at this great church. I say, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God will do immeasurably more than we've ever hoped, dreamed, or imagined. And this is where I'm landing it. Last night I was praying, how do I close this out the right way, God? Because I did You have suffered a little bit. Some of you have suffered a little bit. You're waiting and you're about to give up. The God of grace has called you by name. He himself will restore you. He himself will confirm you. He himself will establish you, reestablish you if you just wait. Let's take the next two minutes, hit space, and wait on God. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. 
We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.